All right, guys, welcome to the podcast. We're going to start off with our favorite sponsor, MageMarket.com. Super exciting news. They finally released their new platform, and I'm very impressed. I have uh, some of my roommates that uh, went through. They bought some cards, and it's very intuitive. The search alone, you can go in and just type, I'm looking for that one elf that can tap for three mana, and then boom, it just gives you the, the exact results. It's, it's a really intuitive website. Give it a try, MageMarket.com. Um, they have these new features where instead of just buying a card right out, you can post a bid where the sellers look to see who's willing to pay for it, and they simply just fulfill the order. So maybe it's $2 cheaper, but I get to uh, sell my card right this minute and not have to wait. And me as a seller can look at those bids and just instantly liquidate my cards. It's a wonderful tool. Give it a try. MageMarket.com. And above all else, go on their website. When you uh, go on the cart, use promo code this week for 5% off. It helps support this podcast and save you some money. I mean, 5% does go a long way. So magemarket.com. And then we have our charity, which is magickids.org. That's M-A-G-I kids.org. It's a fantastic charity where they take magic cards and really build them into kits to send to different communities and areas to teach new kids to get into magic. This is utilized for many different causes at local libraries, event centers, or even for homeschooling groups. Certainly check them out. You can donate money, you can donate cards, or you can become a volunteer teacher where they'll send kits to you so you can start your own community. Certainly check them out, magickids.org. All right, let's kick that podcast. Welcome, welcome to this week in MTG with your host Rob Zolson. Hello, friends, one and all. Welcome to this week in MTG. So we got CJ back. CJ has been fighting a cold. You're gonna have to forgive him. We all have voice issues, and uh, I know, like three weeks ago, I just got over mine. But uh, CJ, how are you feeling now? I'm still a little bit groggy, but I think I'm gonna be all right. See, he's got that slight sexy rasp to his voice where ladies just, just need to have that more often. All right, so today we have a special guest, Martin Proud. He is the head developer and CEO of MTG.Design. We're super excited to dive in. How are you doing, Martin? Hey, doing great. Thanks for having me. We're happy to have you, buddy. So you're, again, we'll get into details of your website, but you're one of the most intuitive custom card creation websites that I've seen. Yeah, it's... um. The site's been around for a couple of years and it's still in beta, but um, if you ever want to make a card, uh, that's where you can do it. Perfect. So we'll, we'll deep dive in, but we're going to dive straight into the news. So to kick things off, CJ, where are the next festival is going to be, uh, be coming up? Well, currently there's still the Mythic Championship 6 going on right now. Today's the last day. Uh, but upcoming, we got Sao Paulo and Columbus, and that's going to be on the 15th and se- through 17th for Sao Paulo and 22nd through 24th in Columbus. Viva Red Brazil. That was a terrible attempt. I had a foreign exchange student from Brazil, and she's going to make fun of me now. But thanks again for that. You're never going to hear the end of it. Never going to hear the end of it. Finance this week, again, it's completely overtaken by Pioneer. Pioneer had a banning earlier this week, and I'll go over that soon. But to talk about the spikes, Nissa Voice of Zedekar is a three-drop that was printed in the Oath set. But it also came in a dual Planeswalker set. It was like, uh, I think, Nissa versus... um, who was the Black Planeswalker? Why am I bla- uh, blacking out? Obnixilus? There you go, Obnixilus. Yeah. So it was printed quite a bit. It was 
not necessarily bulk because not a lot of planeswalkers at all are bulk, but it was sitting there bouncing around that buck fifty price range. Well, now you know, over time it went to two. Now it's up over ten bucks. It's it's approaching twelve because mono green, even though the bands were affected, is still just soaring in pioneer. So they're using utilizing this and trying to pump anything they can into the walking ballistas, hanger back walkers, using a counter control. Otherwise, they're just using it for pure ramp into Eldrazi. There's a lot of different ways of using green. Hardened scales, Selesnia tokens, just pure ramp. Certainly check it out. This is a staple in the majority of them. Number two in the list is Sphinx's Revelation. It's an instant that's been used forever in Legacy. I believe it was originally printed in Return to Ravnica. Sphinx's Revelation was again printed in the new special Ravnica box sets. And this card has went over 150% to that 8 buck price range. People are expecting this to go up to 10 12 bucks as well. So certainly if uh, check your copies, you either want to sell or pick uh, pick one up, it's going to be used in a lot of lists. We're seeing, of course, in blue-white control. The casting cost for this card is X, white, blue, blue, instant. You gain X life and draw X cards. So if you have a lot of mana ramp, say splashing green, you'll be able to really outpace any type of burn deck. So again, blue-white control we're seeing in the um, spirit decks. We're seeing a lot of different places, even uh, splashing blue in white weenies but most importantly bant has found field of the dead in pioneer because field of the dead is going to be with us forever it's going to be in standard until rotation pioneer it's a staple of modern it's using amulet titan legacy it's being abused it will be with us forever until we see some hard bands but it's uh certainly fueling the fire now number three i think is the biggest on our list and i didn't really predict this card would go this high number three is thing in the ice Thing in the Ice has always bounced between that five to six, seven dollar range, but now it finally broke twenty bucks. Is it Phoenix in Pioneer? Is disgusting, and we'll go over that deck here in a little bit. But that's really what's oh, bringing it back. That and Nexus Reclamation, just to cast more spells, have something else to def defend about. But Pioneer is really defining the cards right now. Standard until we see either an Oko ban or something else happen. That's where we're going to see the price range. Everything's freezing elsewhere. So cheap pickups, it's really hard because we're seeing a gradual decline in all non-topic cards with decks. So the list that we have, we'll be able to pull up, is a lot of stuff in the standard rotation. So Karn the Great Creator, Murderous Rider, um, even some Brawl staples are all steadily trending down thanks to the Oko meta. Next on the list, we have our standard deck. CJ, what do we have this week? This week, it's going to be the Demir Mill deck. My favorite uh, deck has always been Mill, but have you tried any of this out yet? I love playing Mill, but I hate going up against it. Because who likes to not play their deck? I don't think anyone does. But it's got huge staples in it, like the Merfolk Secret Keeper. Huge turn one play on anybody's on anyone's board. Because it's just, anytime someone mills me down on turn one, I just instantly scoop. Instantly scoop. I need to play this yes. more often against you. That's uh, that's what's going to have to well, happen. Well, you turn one secret keeper, then turn two drowned secrets, then then what are you going to do? From then on, you're just getting milled for six every turn that they play the secret keeper. There's a lot of gas, that's for sure. And the secret keeper, it's again, I built the mono blue deck. It got the, uh, published by Saffron Olive. But the special piece about it is it's cast twice. And with drowned secrets on the board, that cast twice is so valuable getting that extra mill in. Along with now being blue-black, Murderous Rider has a full home, Thief of Sanity is one copy of, and the most important ones are Scheming Symmetry, 
which is a one-drop sorcery. Choose two target players. Each of them uh, searches their library for a card, shuffles it, and put it on top. Well, you're suddenly getting a one-drop vampiric tutor, and then you're milling them right away. It's super uh, abusive, being in standard, and drown in the lock. Two mana uh, instant, blue, uh, black. Either kill a creature that's equal to the cards in their graveyard, or counter something that's equal to the number of cards in their graveyard. Super, super broken. So next on the list is the banned announcements. This, uh, I don't know, it's disappointing for me to see it, but uh, we got a special ban announcement for Brawl. Oko was banned in Brawl, not banned in Standard. What is happening? Did they not get the message? Um, I'm terribly frustrated with this, not because of the whole elk meme, but mainly because we're seeing just so much play. We're not seeing anything else, and we're seeing standard card prices drop because there's nothing else in the meta. Why we featured Demir Mill is because that's one of the few decks that really does stand up against a Oko deck decently well. There's not a huge target that they're going to want to change into an elk or give you a 3-3-4. You're putting out, you know, zero fours that when they come in, they mill. So they're only going to be using the Elks against you. Certainly look for, out for that. But again, it is now banned in Brawl. The other ones that we saw, and we expected Pioneer changes. It's a new format. They announced that there's potential bans every Monday. And right away, they banned Felidar Guardian, Oath of Nyssa, and Leyland of Abundance. Now, I'm frankly surprised on Leyland of Abundance. I know it's a great card in modern they've made budget decks that are supposed to be you know turn two potential wins but not seeing it besides just more ramp tools i think that's just what they're trying to go off of especially with the oath of nissa ban they're really trying to backpedal the green ramp they're seeing that it's defining the pioneer format and of course feldar guardian just stops the copycat combo which was overtaking all of the lists i did not play enough pioneer myself to really feel that it was necessary but just seeing the lists and the amount of play i can definitely see why they they went with it but now that the dust settles what do we have for a featured pioneer deck list sir so with this it's got the uh, the thing in the ice we talked about that card earlier this is a huge card i've never liked going up against it because all of my friends used it and i never did whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, but it's got whoa, the arc light phoenix what's the deck name oh the deck name he's excited well, just... can you tell I am. This deck is crazy. It's just called Is It Phoenix? Um, some people call it Is It Drakes? Just depends on how many Drakes that you want to put in it instead of the Phoenixes. I know a couple people that run more Drakes uh, rather than the Phoenixes. But with the Thing in the Ice and the Phoenix, you can just put the Phoenix out by basically just casting so many instants and sorceries. Just dump your cards into your graveyard, throw out some instants and sorceries, then bring out those Arclight Phoenixes for free, and then just start hitting people for 12. It's just insane. It's It's really fast. Uh, you can do this as early as like turn three. So in modern, that's where Is It Phoenix really took uh, prominence when it first uh, rotated out. Uh, they brought it to standard, and they were using the Faithless Looting as the way to pitch the Phoenixes. Now mm -hmm. in Pioneer, it's again not as a fast format, so they're looking other ways to still pitch them, and they're using things like Lightning Axe, which is a one-drop instant. That's a one-drop red instant, I should say, as an additional cost to cast Lightning Axe either discard a card or pay five mana. So of course you're gonna discard the light, uh, the um, Arc-like Phoenix. It's a one drop, you know, five damage to target creature card and allows you to get the combo off. So they're, they're using that. And of course they're using Wild Slash, which is the new lightning bolt, but uh, Treasure Cruise. Treasure Cruise, delving away the cards that you didn't mean to throw away just to draw more, super disgusting. So certainly look out for this in the meta. From deck lists that we see in 
different tournament series. We're seeing this as coming to the top of Pioneer. I don't know if it's going to stay with all the green ramp decks still approaching. Again, Pioneer is so fresh. Everybody's brewing in all directions. So I think this will definitely take prominence. You have to look out for it, but uh, I don't think we've seen the top, uh, top deck yet. So the feature deck uh, that I put for Modern is Amulet Titan, not just because it's the top deck list right now, but it's really changed thanks to Field of the Dead. Amulet Titan used the combo to try to pull out a Primeval Titan and drop lands to do direct damage. Now instead of direct damage, they're replacing the cards with Field of the Dead to make more value with zombies. If you have all the ramp for days... Why not just uh, reward yourself instead of worrying about an infinite combo and just have a great board state up front? And this wins so fast, it even has different copies of Pact Indication and Summoner's Pact to try to keep up uh, the combo. So look out for this. And again, just to explain to people that have never seen the Amulet Titan combo before, Amulet of Vigor, uh, Vigor is a one-drop artifact, and it's written when a permanent enters the battlefield tapped, it enters under your control untapped. So all of these tap lands automatically come untapped. So when you're using lands such as the two mana lands like uh, Boros Garrison, for instance, it comes in, return a land to your hand, and you can tap this for two mana. So it just comes in untapped. You're ramping so much faster using a lot of these uh, tap land effects. And since you have a very diverse pool, it doesn't matter what type of tap lands you get. You're putting in stuff like Teleria West. You're putting in... Castle Garen Brig, you're putting in different uh, shock lands like Breeding Pool. You're getting a lot of different diversities and then even having uh, Vesuva to copy different lands or toolkit lands like Radiant Fountain to try to go against Burn and gain a little health or Ghost Quarter to make sure you're blowing up their lands when they have something degenerative themselves. Certainly check it out. All right, what next do you got for me, CJ? I saw the other uh, earlier that there was more Breeding Pools then mountains, plains, and swamps played combined right now during the Mythic Championship. And that gives us 1,472 copies of breeding pools being played right now. So you're only allowed to have four copies in your deck, but it still outpaces three of the basic lands combined. Right. And that's, that blows my mind. Please, please, wizards, if you're listening, free us of the elk. We don't need it anymore. We just want food. Healthy food, not this fattening cheeseburger that Oko's feeding us on a stick. Well, if that isn't enough for you, let's go to happy news. Let's go to mystery boosters. So we finally got some hints of mystery boosters at uh, the Mythic Championship, and we're seeing a lot of different uh, test cards. They're just white uh, sheets. I don't even know if they're the same size. I'm looking at the pictures. They seem to be a little bit smaller than a traditional card, and they come one per pack in these mystery boosters. So originally we thought, oh, these must be just collectible test cards and that's how we're going to do mystery series. Well, apparently those test cards are only for the events that they have and they're not going to be actually selling them. So they're going to be super collectible, but again, they're not legal to play. It gives you an idea of all the different types of cards that R&D have either kiboshed or tried to dev with over the years. And there's a lot of fun ones. You can go to mythicspoiler.com to see some of them. There is a long list. I'm not really going to go over to a lot of details because there's uh, there's a bunch. I think one of them was a Mark Rosewater card. And anything that enters doubled instead quadruples. So you have double the amount of counters. Guess what? Now it quadruples. So they have a lot of fun in R&D, and I think these are going to be a great addition. But Mark Rosewater did confirm that these cards are not going to be in the normal play pack. So the really th a big things we can take away from these mystery packs is what was printed. So we're seeing all these cards. Essentially, they're explained as repacks, 
which isn't necessarily true. They're filled with a bunch of different random cards over Magic history with the original playset symbol, but they are reprinted. So the big card that we saw that excited me, we saw Mana Crypt. Mana Crypt had the Eternal Masters play symbol. Great, great card. I think that's going to be the biggest chase card, and that's why they uh, made sure it was flashed to us. Or maybe they didn't make sure, but someone definitely took a picture of it. But we don't have a clue of what they're going to be printing, and I think they're going to stick to that plan. And if we do get some sort of print run list, I think it's going to be intentionally at the, given at the last minute. So look for those. And what we're seeing on these printed cards to really show differentiate is I think we're seeing a Planeswalker symbol in like the corner of it. But I don't even know if these packs are going to be representative of what we're going to get especially since we're getting these test cards in. So look for it, but excited to see Mana Crypt being printed once again so we can get this, you know, three-digit card down to two digits for Commander players. So I heard some news about Star City Games. You got some uh, info for us, CJ? Uh, yes, I got some sad news for all you Legacy players out there. In 2020, Legacy format will no longer be utilized as part of the SCG Tour. So we're, so, no. we're seeing this as a... Uh, almost a quiet announcement. They're just showing the schedule of the formats um, in Star City Games. I just think, I don't know, CJ, is it just because they have Pioneer and Pioneers think they're going to fill a slot? What's your thoughts? I think Pioneer is going to take over. I think Pioneer is going to take over a lot of standard as well as legacy plays. Just trying to find the entertainment bouncing ball. And um, again, if they uh, don't get enough views, I think legacy could rotate back in or maybe they'll have something once a year. I don't think they're going to get rid of it altogether. We only see, I, I think, a limited amount of dates. What dates does it actually show all the way out? It's showing us from January 4th through June 11th events. But the ones from April through June, uh, they're to be announced. They don't actually have what types of events and formats they're going to be having. Uh, because I think that's the slots that they're trying to figure out if they want to throw in some legacy. Because it's not a for sure thing that it's going to be eliminated from all of their events and tours we're just not seeing it on the consistent schedule like it used to be correct well we'll have to keep uh up to date again uh, keep listening to the podcast this week in mtg we'll uh we'll make sure to uh follow that as close as we as we can so i'd like to make a note it's not necessarily this week but it was mentioned by a couple different uh content creators including rudy that the reserve list cards are have all been declining over the last few months consistently and you know just to give you an example, Drop of Honey uh, was it 2017. I think it was a little over $400 for that card. And Drop of Honey is a, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, one drop enchantment at the beginning of each player's upkeep, I believe, or his upkeep. They have to sacrifice the smallest creature that anyone controls. And if it's tied, you get to pick which one dies. So, the, again, four, over $400. Now it's uh, bouncing around two and dipping under. Since Rudy talked about it, all... You know, reserve list has a small influx of price, but that's not going to stay. All reserve list cards seem to be, even some of the Power 9 cards, gradually declining. Rudy was even mentioning, and I did look up some uh, price history on this, that even some of the lightly played beta or unlimited Black Lotuses were declining. It's I did not expect that. I figured that, you know, the niche, unused, maybe not played often cards, or not as collectible cards, like maybe Arabian Nights would be most affected, but power nine being affected in that as well it's a it's a little scary so if you're investing in those be wary that uh there may be a bottom where you can buy up i don't think the bottom's now it's going to be uh, more affected and anytime that the economy is not dipping but even just stabilized not really going up not really going down it's a uh it's a pending sign of some upcoming 
you know, financial struggle in the stock market. And the first thing that's affected is the collectible card market. So maybe this February after the Christmas season has all settled and we're having the winter's lull of shopping, maybe that's when we'll see the bottom come to this decline. But uh, certainly keep your uh, eyes out for prices and be wary that the reserve list is fluxing a bit. Got some happier news for me. Why do I get all the depressing news? It's unfair. I don't know. That's just that's just the way that things go sometimes. Shame on you, CJ. I expect more. Give me the good ones. I can't do that because I give the happy news. All right. Such as in this year, the National Toy Hall of Fame inductees were announced and Magic the Gathering has made the list. About darn time. I mean, it only took us about 25 years, but we did it. They've been working on this, I believe, for the last seven years, and it's just hasn't happened. I don't know why something else would uh, take its place, but finally, we're in the National Toy Hall of Fame. It'll be there forever. All right, I hate you because my next subject has to talk about something terrible again. So I'd like to put a public service announcement for all those listening. If you grew up in my generation, I'm almost 30 years old, we had the D.A.R.E. campaign in schools. You know, don't do drugs, kids. And the latest craze that I want to warn all you Magic listeners about is pack sniffing. All right, you should need to let your communities know pack sniffing can lead to erratic gameplay, using the word yeet. You know, don't sniff old packs, right? Those are supposed to be cracked and bindered immediately. Stop sniffing packs. If you want to learn more about the epidemic, you can certainly go on our website, thisweekinmtg.com. On the bottom, you'll see the sniff in all caps. Now, caution to you users. This is a explicit video showing a real magic player sniffing packs. So be warned and uh, you know, tell your playgroup. Be a friend for them, man. There's no rehab for this. <sighs> CJ. It is an addiction. Well, now that we got through all the struggle, Martin, please, um, I, I need some happiness. I need to know about this great product, mtg.design. Give us an overview for those that have never made a custom card. What is your website? When did you start it? And what does it do? Sure. mtg.design, that's uh, the URL. Uh, so it's uh, just a website where you can put together any kind of a custom card if you just have like a fun little card you want to bring to your you know uh to your game group a custom commander have a series of cards and you want to you know give them to friends or you know make a joke uh from you know i've had people make cards for like special events um but uh but yeah basically it's a uh, focuses on kind of a higher quality render there's a few other sites out there but it's um kind of i think it's an underserved area there's uh actually a fairly budding community custom magic community uh, believe it or not and uh people are, are designing their own stuff in their own sets and um there's some kind of cool stuff out there uh, i've been operating this site for about four years now and still working out some of the kinks and adding some extra stuff to it so what inspired you to make the tool so I kind of got back into magic about five years ago, and I always had an eye for magic design. I follow a lot of Mark Rosewater's uh, web you know, articles and podcasts and had some ideas, you know, for just like putting together cards and wanted to kind of, you know, try it out myself. The The tools at the time were were very few. Um, a lot of people use uh, an app called Magic Set Editor, which is still around. It was Windows only, and uh, at the time, I didn't really have a computer I could do that on. And so I, I figured, well, there weren't a lot of good web options available. Uh, there were a couple of sites out there that let you make cards, but they don't look very good. Uh, they, they, they lacked some of the some of the sites out there 
kind of lacked you know, the, the precision of like what a card should look like. Uh, and I just wasn't very happy with what was there. And so I figured uh, there was probably was an underserved niche, especially as more people are on their cell phones, more people are on tablets, want to have something that they can, you know, take out and about or, you know, when they have downtime between classes or between, you know, magic games or whatever it might be. So on here, I had to give this a try as soon as I uh, got the link for it because I've made a couple custom cards. I'm a thing. I'm a memer and... I'm always looking for a way to joke around. I I made uh, a couple cards making fun of Oko when I uh, found the product, and it's really excellent. I think some of the the attention to detail that you have on the the site. For instance, when you make a new line, it spaces it appropriately on the card. So if you want to do flavor tax, if you want to uh, make sure that they're separated just for the overall value or effect of the card, like you even have on your homepage, for instance, it says draft this card face up, new line perfectly spaced as though it was completely printed by Wizards of the Coast themselves. Yeah, I spent a lot of time just kind of getting it to look just right. The The whole idea here is that we're not going to have the actual tools Wizards uses. We're not going to be able to spend as much money as Wizards does to, but the whole idea is that it's sort of just giving people the power to be like, hey, you know, I can design something that looks like a magic card. People can feel empowered and and feel like that they're, they're a designer too. So on some of these uh, custom card websites I've seen is, I just, again, I want to explain to the listeners the entire intent of the possibility. So I've seen people you know do creative not only creative of the play style of the card but a place where they can showcase artwork some of the artwork that i've seen and the custom uh creations are incredible even the ones on your website show different phoenixes long live the king there's a lot of different showcasings here of how art can be captured for magic and maybe helped out with effects on the card there's people that actually make cards just for drafting for casual environments i want to make my own little you know 200 card set there's people that use it a lot for personas even uh cj what cards did you make this week using mtg.design so at first, whenever I tried it out, I just made myself a planeswalker, and there, there's a there's a person in my play group that's affiliated with with me and MTG Alchemy, and his his name is Koi, and I just I love to bash on my friends whenever it comes to magic, and I had to put him in there as one of my loyalty abilities on on my on my planeswalker I made, and it's a broken card uh, specifically made for myself, and it's it's just plus one Koi cannot casts until your next turn you cannot cast spells or activate any abilities until your next turn kind of just locking him up and that's that's just the kind of gameplay i like to do but i also made a commander for each one of my friends in my play group and and stuff like that so that i can try to get these cards made so that we can do some sort of fun little game of commander with these new commanders based off of the way that we all like to play so again nice personifying cards so either you can make your friends or yourself into a planeswalker seems to be real popular i'm a i already explained that i I love memes i see a lot of uh, memes especially on subreddits like uh mtg circle jerking that's a a big (laughs) fun one of mine Mm -hmm. um what other ones are we uh missing for categories how how else do people use these cards a lot of people make tokens Uh, i think that's um i mean you don't necessarily need um uh, to make an actual magic card to have a token, but but that's that's a, a common thing people will do. Yeah, obviously, like commanders are a big deal. I think yeah, a lot of a lot of like unfunny meme cards. You know, you want a silver bordered card, uh, bad cards. You know what I mean? Like notoriously bad. So what do you mean by notoriously bad cards? 
Well, like, uh, intentionally bad. So maybe it's cards that are ridiculously overpowered, or, you know, it's it's cards that are, are based off of, you know, like, say, when Siege Rhino was, you know, all the rage, uh, might be like a Siege Rhino, you know, and it's an even bigger Rhino that, you know, mm-hmm. is even badder, so... Sometimes it'll, it's just, you know, having the really super funny, just in your face kind of thing. And there's also contests. So like there are some communities, uh, for example, in Reddit, there's a custom magic uh, community. I know that MTG Salvation had a lot of people, you know, participating in different kinds of, you know, create your own card contest where it gets voted by judges or, or other finalists. And so sometimes it's uh, just like, hey, just make the coolest card you can or make a card with this particular artwork uh, or make a card with you know certain criteria. So it's it's kind of a challenge. It's, it's sort of a way of uh, getting people to think about magic in a different way. Think about the color pie. A lot of times people, uh, especially when they first start out designing cards, they kind of forget or don't realize that certain effects only belong in certain colors, which is a common trap that you know newer designers will run into. But you know, as you kind of learn and see, you know, uh, designs that Wizards has made and good designs from established designers, uh, there's there's a lot you can do. Um, the sky's the limit. So what's some of the, like, most popular cards created? Is there any analytic tools that you have to, like, track any traffic to card images? You know, that's a good question. Um, I, I think have I just figured out a feature probably, for you. Uh, I could probably go through and figure out, you know, where most of these are coming from or what the most popular thing is. I think superheroes is pretty popular. Like a lot of people like to make cards from other universes, you know, like Marvel or Star Wars, you know, we'll never have that in magic form. So that's kind of fun. Yeah, I think um, typically custom commanders, typically like one off meme cards are popular. Uh, There is there is some really interesting stuff, though. Like there are I know of people who have designed like their own full draftable draftable set. Um, I think it would be pretty cool to do like a cube with with cards that are all custom made like this. I think it'd be very interesting. Yeah, definitely. It's And with a cube, you can kind of mix in regular cards. You can add in some custom stuff, right, to kind of spice things up. If Right, if because like... I played in cubes that have a few unstable cards in them too. So throwing in cards like these, it wouldn't make it any more broken than adding unstables. Potentially. Totally. So, Martin, when we were talking uh, before the uh, podcast, actually, we were talking over a week ago, I was mentioning how one of the card uh, creators that I saw made a cyber steampunk complete, it looks like a full set, like 254 cards, and I believe it was called like Cybertron or something. Do you have more details on that? Yeah, so there's a, there's a few sets out there that um, that are actually pretty pretty darn cool. Got to give them the correct shout out. <laughs> That's right. So that set you're talking about, probably Netropolis, and that's uh, by a guy named Zerapath, and it's fully draftable. It's got a, a sci-fi theme, so it's just cyberpunk sci-fi stuff. If I remember correctly, uh, it featured a mechanic that was totally unique. It was called Upload, if I remember correctly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Upload is a mechanic that you exile the card face-up, and then you can pay two to put it in your hand. So it's it's kind of like um, impulse, right? Like red has like cards where you can you can see the top card, exile it, play it later, right? Uh, and so it's and then there's there's a bunch of cards that kind of play off of that, depending on if, how many cards you have uploaded or when you when you when a creature dies, you can do that. Uh, there's there's just other mechanics obviously in the set too that are a little bit more straightforward. There's a bunch of random vehicles. It feels like 
a magic set just with a completely different flavor and uh there's actually a website online where this set and a bunch of others you can you can draft these things so just like you could draft it on arena you or or mtgo you could draft it on the web and and uh if you're familiar with uh cockatrice which is one of a few different um kind of free applications where you can play other people online. Um, you can actually download your deck and play against someone on the internet. I've used Cockatrice a couple times in the past. We had uh, Zach. He uh, helped develop that uh, tool. He's been on the podcast before. And again, it's just an open source platform where you can import cards and, and play with them against uh, other people. It's, there's not a whole lot of hard rules, so it's very open format of a of a a platform so there's not something that's you know stopping you from putting down an extra land on your turn it's just an, an honesty system but it really helps play new type of formats that people are trying out and trying new customizing things i think that's where um they did some development for oathbreaker but uh this would be a perfect platform to use these custom cards and play them against your friends yeah there's a website plain sculptors that lets you Planesculptors.net that lets you kind of draft this stuff, take your deck, download it. They've added their own custom master sets or cubes, uh, and yeah, it's it's worth the checkout. Perfect. So, a couple other points I want to go over is we talked about you know how this can be used, but we haven't really talked about the how do we say gray area of some of these tools. And I'd like to talk about you know how people use these as potential proxies. So before we go into a lot of details, I'm going to give like my opinion on the matter. So I have a lot of different uh, reserve list cards in my collection for, for EDH. And one of the cards I have, just as an example, is Underground Sea. Underground Sea is extremely expensive, and there's only so many copies left in circula uh, circulation that are in good condition. And I have it, you know, double-sleeved in a EDH deck, but when I'm playing casually with my friends at home, I really don't want to use that card, but I still want to use its effects. So what I've done is, you know, cut out and printed my own card with a completely separate artwork. It doesn't look at all like Underground Sea, and I just use that as the placeholder in my deck for when I play just casual, you know, custom matches at my home. If I'm playing in a tournament, the real card goes in there or at my play store. But just for me trying to worry about a potentially, you know, $500 to $1,000 card getting shuffled in my commander deck doesn't really sit well with me. So whenever I try to make a proxy to protect my card, I have the goal of making it completely different so it can never even be compared to the original card to try to forfeit something. And you've put a lot of watermarks and details on here to prevent people from doing that, but uh, you know, what have you seen, and maybe you can educate us a little bit more about uh, what's going on. I, I know a guy that he just likes likes having his cards with separate artwork, so kind of the same thing. Just has uh, kind of like like promo or, or full art versions of some you know some of the cards that he really likes. Uh, I don't, I certainly don't condone making proxies, right? I mean, I don't want to, you know, we, we certainly don't want people trying to pedal off cards that look like the real thing that aren't the real thing. That's, you know, I don't want to get into that. There's certainly a, a limit to how, how good the card looks. Like if you print it out, it's, it's not going to be fan amazing. It's not going to look, it's not going to be the same quality as a, as a regular card. But, you know, it's, I think if people understand that, uh, the, the, I guess it depends on, on what you're doing and your, and who you play with. But I think there is actually a value of a thing. I think that collecting cards is as much of magic as, as building or playing. Maybe not everyone agrees with me on that, but I think, you know, finding the card, getting the card, trading the card, I think that's, 
that's like sort of, at least for what magic is to me, totally like to your point, um, there's going to be scenarios where, hey, you know, I want to play commander um, or if I'm new to commander, right? And uh, I don't have that you know, dual land I can just, you know, uh, pull out of my collection. Uh, it's sort of a way to making your own custom card or making your own card that that is not the same is sort of a way of, you know, of having fun with your with people around you. So some of the steps that you made on the website on the bottom of the cards is the cards say, you know, not for sale. They show mtg.design and, you know, all the other play spaces uh, is there to edit. But even you show like uh, the bottom where they normally have the foil insert, you know, it shows that it's printed. So it's not like a place to try to replace or, or fake a card out. This tool is completely made for creative purposes, not for uh, for that at all. So definitely taking the, the steps and even, you know, you can put your own set logo so you're not reusing other sets. This is completely for a creative purpose, not to uh, forge any type of magic product. That uh, extremely illicit. We want to support the great card game we, we've had and I think that this is a, a perfect tool to get our creative juices flowing and, you know, look for new, new cards in the future or better yet, you know, help us with our art or maybe even get a, apply for a job for Wizards of the Coast in the next uh, what is it, great card creator search. Yeah, the great designer search. Uh, there, there you were, go. Yeah, there were a lot of people that, um, you know, in, in, the, in the community that have been using a lot of these tools and talking on Discord and different uh, different online communities. It's uh, it's a good way to to you know there are places you can you can share your designs and, and get feedback. It's it's a lot of fun. It's it really is. And um, there's a lot of cool artwork out there, like like you know websites and, and fan art. And it's kind of a way of you know sort of taking your stab, uh, making your mark. So it's yeah, it's it's fun. Um, and uh, there's some really cool stuff you can you can find and, and see on online. So uh, if I want to get into creating cards, you know, what's the what's the best way? You mentioned a couple of different communities. Uh, does MTG.design have a Discord? It it does, but it's um, it's not quite ready yet. So I I have the server available, but I'm not not opening it up quite yet but that will be coming soon uh, a lot of people so if if you're using reddit custom magic r slash custom magic is a great place it's very active uh there are probably you know 100 posts a day of just different kinds of stuff so that's a, a pretty cool uh cool way to get started uh if you're using discord discord has a different websites um there is an official reddit discord that you can join there also a uh, website and discord for magic set editor which is uh which is an app on your computer that allows you to make make cards not my app but that's that's another one but that's another community um and then there are obviously like just like for example i'm on like the empty fish uh discord and they just have like a custom um channel right so like <laughs> a lot of times just you know like if if you belong to the channel fire fireball discord or whatever it is a lot, a lot of times they'll have a place where yeah you know hey this is just like my fun thing and let me show you and a lot of times when uh cards get spoiled on new sets um even officially right like hey this is the new mechanic uh, for example you know when Thro throne of eldraine came out uh some of those those uh cards were being spoiled by wizards people were really excited to be like oh hey i want to take my take on food right like, what does food mean? And at first, like that first week, you know, they, they had a few cards come out. We didn't even know what the mechanic did. And so there were people, you know, posting their own designs, you know, trying to guess 
some sort of sackable enchantment that you can just uh, use anytime. I, I saw a lot of those. And the reason I saw them is on the Custom Magic subreddit. I believe they still have it. It's a every week they show the top posts. I think the top five and then a couple honorable mentions. So it's like it's not a competition, but it's certainly see a great to see a summary of all the great things that happen in a week on the subreddit. Yeah, totally. It's there's a lot of people all ages and you know, there's all kinds of stuff. There's throwback cards. There are uh, alternate takes on popular. Uh, where am I going with this? Um, well, Martin, I'm uh, I'm new to cu- uh, custom card creation. I, I have some tools on finding other people to teach me or hone my skills. But uh, again, your tool is completely free. How do I support you moving forward with your tool? I'll be introducing a Patreon in the near future. So that would be a good way to do it. Uh, until then, um, participate in the community. Uh, it's really, you know, talk to talk to me, talk to people on um, on on Reddit, on Twitter. You can you can put hashtag MTG.design in there if you want. Um, on any kind of Twitter posts you do, uh, if you're on Discord, you know, just just join the community, say hello, and and see what see what people do. It's it's I always wanted to have a tool people can use. Like the whole idea is just getting people engaged. You know, it's not I'm not here to make money i'm here to get people interested in magic and you know thinking about magic in a different way well perfect so i I gotta ask anytime i have a a person you know showcasing a tool on our podcast what is something secret you haven't told anybody else that's going to be coming up as a new feature or something changing with the product um oft requested features uh being able to upload art so currently it's just kind of a link to a piece of artwork on a website so i'll have an upload feature for art there are some frames that i don't have yet so things like split cards and stuff like that um so there'll be some of that coming down the road and then eventually i'll have a way for people who have created cards and other software like msc to like import and take their designs and you know continue editing Perfect. Well, you heard it here first. And uh, again, mtg.design, that's the entire web address. So type that in your URL box on your web browser. Certainly keep uh, up to date on everything MTG Design. He'll have his Patreon posted in the the future and seeing those uh, fantastic new features coming out soon. We appreciate you having the show. Is there anything that we missed? No, um, you know, thanks for having me on here. And hopefully we'll see some interesting, fun, awesome designs people come up with so love to see what uh strikes your fancy and uh and uh then we'll all comment and bash it perfect you can go to twitter it's this underscore week in mtg you can submit any uh images you have uh have for us that you'd like to us for us to see on the show and uh thanks again martin mtg.design certainly give it a, a try and just to let you guys know share this with a friend if you got another magic uh, friend that loves uh, to hear more about the culture and what's going on in mtg week by week certainly share this out to them find us on your favorite platform and we'll see you next time thanks again martin for uh, joining us my pleasure all right let's kick that outro Thanks for listening to our podcast. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, no. Seriously, follow guys. and subscribe. Or is it just follow? I, you know what? Subscribe, follow, like, share. It's, it's, oh my. It's on Spotify. It's already on Stitcher. We have the RSS feed on the website. Thisweekinmgd.com. That's us. Please share with your friends. Share it up. Outro done.